Welcome to TalentWise, the definitive podcast for CXOs, human resource and learning and development leaders. This show comes to you from thought leaders who talk about human capital development in today's organization. How to engage and empower today's employee to be effective, competitive and relevant. Stay with us for an exciting conversation with our guest and learn how to future-proof your team. I'm your host Shubhanjan, founder of Knowledge Bridge. Hello friends. Welcome to this season finale of Talentwise. What a fantastic learning journey it was. We were delighted to hear from our guests spread over 26 weekly episodes. 6 months just went by. They spoke on a vast range of issues on future proofing the team in the light of new and emerging technologies and practices that are transforming the workplace from uber to co-working from deep work to agility we discussed it all today we present to you the highlights of the season the greatest challenges and the most innovative solutions that have been presented besides we will also discuss some of the key issues and statistics from around the world i'll be joined by rajiv aditya the producer of the show today let us dive right in kalyan banerji out there in tandem there was a wipro team of uh, more than 20 people who were fixing bugs on tandem's uh, fault tolerant unix and uh, the job of the bug leader was uh, simple that uh, he had to assign bugs every day bugs will come in or every week bugs will come in and he has to assign bugs to the appropriate person now in conventional thinking you would uh, assign the toughest bugs to the smartest people and that's what he did and the simplest bugs probably to the rookies and uh, every team has its normal distribution and that's how you distribute the bugs uh, among the people now there was one interesting person in tandem called mario pagliaro who uh, was doing research in software engineering and his interest area was productivity of teams and that's pretty relevant to our discussion here and what he experimented with was can we give the toughest problems not to the smartest people but to the next level of smart people hmm. and can we give the average problems to the smartest people and then we check how the productivity happens in the team does it remain the same becomes better worse uh, and interestingly what happened was in that team uh, the second level of smartest people they could tackle the problems they could tackle the toughest problems and hence they grew so this became a very good exercise in capacity building Uh, on the other hand the smartest people they were uh, tackling only uh, average problems so they had plenty of free time now uh, in the past when they were uh, tackling the toughest problems they had very little free time they were preoccupied with their own challenges and they had very little time to spare for other people in the team but now they had plenty of time to spare and uh, including the second best uh, people who were tackling the toughest problems and everybody else in the team and hence everybody benefited from this and the team productivity increased team productivity to team what does it take to create a job 
TN Hari has some statistics and also the size of the problem India faces in cashing its demographic dividend. India is a youthful nation, young nation, and every year you have 12 million plus youth entering employable age. So you need to find jobs for these people. Now, from time to time, you keep hearing, you know what, in various summits, industry, investor, government summits, at the end of these summits, you find very grand announcements that, you know, so many hundred thousand crores are being invested, so many jobs are being created. But just think of the reality. Most of these investments consume about four crores of capital to create one job. So if you create 12 million jobs a year, you require 12 million into four crore rupees, which is about 15 times of India's annual investable surplus. So you need 15 years of annual investable surplus to create one year's job requirements. See that this approach is just not going to work, which is a very, very capital intensive approach for India is not going to be able to create jobs. You can just create less than 800,000 jobs through this approach. If you just use India's annual investable surplus to create 12 million jobs, the capital available is about 30 lakh rupees per job. Real example of big basket. We've raised about $700 million roughly, and we've created about 18,000 jobs. This has consumed about 30 lakh rupees of capital for every job. This is within the ballpark that I told you, you need to using the national nation's surplus to create 12 million jobs. So we are within the ballpark. And just look at Big Basket's you know, employment mix. We have 2,000 white collar, 1,000 semi white collar, and 15,000 blue collar. So with this kind of capital to back job creation, limited capital, the majority of the jobs that you're going to create will be largely blue collar. So the reality for India is that it is very difficult to become a prosperous nation like a nation in Europe or the US. So automation is going to be the key. Rajiv, what do you find when you try to figure the impact of AI on jobs? There have been quite a few studies. For instance, a McKinsey study, interestingly, found that technology has created more jobs than it has destroyed. More interestingly, most jobs created by technology are outside the technology-producing sector itself. McKinsey estimated that the introduction of the PC has enabled creation of about 15.8 million net new jobs in the US since 1980, even after accounting for jobs displaced. And 90% of these are in occupations that use the PC in other industries, such as call center representatives, financial analysts, inventory managers, you know, that sort of thing. This is a complex adjustment period. AI will take to start with repetitive jobs. But to get that going, AI needs to be trained. Who is going to do that? Let's listen to Dr. Shridhar Mitta. The world of work is too big a canvas. I'm more interested in talking about new opportunities which are being created by technology and the global uh, impact, which can be exploited by the Indian uh, workforce. For example, uh, we are talking about lots of graduates, both science, arts, engineering graduates, who are passing every year and who are not participating in the IT BPM revolution. 
so they have the all the capabilities which are required there is a huge market which is developing and the only reason why they are not participating is because of the geography so they are in small towns or rural places whereas IT companies are big cities and metros but ironically this is the same problem which IT industry has solved for the last 40 years when the work came from US and Europe to Indian cities and we are still struggling how to take work from Indian cities to Indian small towns. Rajiv Aditya Plus, there are new sectors such as e-commerce, cab-hailing platforms, digital financial services, micro-lending. So, many of these sectors are growing rapidly and these have improved income opportunities for about 18 to 22 million workers in the last 3 to 4 years. Ramesh Srinivas is looking deeply at the BFSI sector. What does he see happening there? One of the changes that appears to be very significant and driven by technology is the fact that a lot of, early, at least uh, up until a few years ago, field sales people had to go out and get in touch with a large number of customers. Right, So it was about them reaching out to people, getting leads and coming back in, etc. But today's digital allows the bank itself to get in touch through digital means with a host of customers. It has two significant impacts. Number one is the fact that the, if you want to call it productivity of that salesperson goes up because they help in the closure part. Number two most significant is the number of job roles of that is going to come down. If you look at the field sales structure today of, of any of these large field forces, if you have 60,000 let's say feet on street, for typically every five of them, you will have one first level supervisor. So 60,000 feet on street, you have 12,000 supervisors. And each of those 12,000, let's say each of those five or six of them, you will have another second level supervisor, right? Which goes into 2,000 or 3,000, let's say. So there are these layers of management that get built up. And the only role of that management really is monitoring the feet on street. Strictly speaking, their only value add is in managing, if you want to call it that, all of these people. Today, technology like AI allows people at the top to manage the field force without some of these intermediate layers. Rajiv Aditya Some estimates are predicting that between 400 million to 800 million individuals could be displaced by automation and will need to find new jobs by 2030 and around 75 million to 375 million may need to switch to a new occupational category, learn new skills. But this will not be easy because learning new skills for most people uh, may prove to be difficult in the current situation. At the ground level, where is the impact? Retail is one clear target for change. Let's hear from Deva Adya. But now, lot of the personalized interaction like customer service is also getting digitized and automated and, and, and often producing a better output. So you see self-ordering kiosk or automated customer service and, and from chatbots to everything which based on initial bits of even artificial intelligence often people are finding a more uh, consistent response that a company can provide. This is a big change because one of the thoughts was where you need personalization, people would be needed. Together you can, today you can create mass customization and mass personalization uh, through, uh, through technology and digital in many fields. 
and that okay. is a big big threat to mass employability then rajiv aditya but overall the effects of automation are going to be very different in different countries so it's not it's not going to be the same as it is in the us for instance in india there has been deep structural shifts taking place in the labor market between 2011 and 15 employment in agriculture came down by 26 million but employment also rose by 33 million in other sectors so advances in automation technologies are also creating jobs in india for now at least jobs are being created in it and bpo sectors these sectors are net job creators and the sector could hire up to 3 million more people by 2025 now let's listen to catherine biroy what does the future of work look like from her vantage point i see the future of work changing very rapidly and i believe that we need to be aware of that and to as ceos and leaders of our companies uh do something now before it's too late what i perceive that it is happening is actually that artificial intelligence and machine learning are taking over i have been web developer for 12 years i am java web programmer so i basically develop applications for huge enterprises and uh although i love doing that i started to be aware that because i am making an automatization of a system in a company for example accounting then 1 2 3 5 10 people will lose the job because they are not needed anymore and if company doesn't invest in those people if they don't learn other skills and if they don't work on themselves they will end up without a job rajiv aditya let's take another study into consideration this is the partnership on ai study they did a study based on three organizations located across three places in three different industries their focus organizations were tata steel europe which is based in the netherlands axis bank in india and zymogen that's a biotech startup in the san francisco bay area all three companies had implemented ai in some form they found that the impacts on jobs varied widely across these entities in europe tata steel reported great benefits they had developed the ai in house and they had retrained their staff to do that there were no job losses zymogen started out as an ai native company and they already had qualified people on their team so no direct ai related workforce reductions happened in zymogen at axis bank the impact of ai on labor was indirect the majority of its customer service operations had been outsourced and so no direct employees of the bank were involved in this particular exercise what has changed in the mature geographies though that is san francisco and the netherlands is that the internal workforce composition has tilted towards researchers and scientists so the needs of hiring has changed the ai mature companies are looking for hybrid profiles candidates should have some kind of interdisciplinary expertise Zymogen's target hiring profile asks for experience in biology and data science capabilities. In fact, there are universities which 
teach data science through bio. So proficiency in R and Python is a necessity. Similarly, Tata Steel Europe looks for engineers who have an understanding of the steelmaking process but can be trained in data science skills. What emerges is that skills need to be cross-domain. That is what Rashmi Arya talks about here. An engineer should be able to understand the language. You cannot not understand what a controls guy or a mechanical guy or software guy does. You know, many a times I see this resistance within my own group at times is, oh, no, but I'm a control engineer and he's, you know, he, I, uh, he needs to do the parts. Even for sales engineering, between sales and sales engineering, that that always is the case where the sales guys say that my job is to talk to the customer. My job is not to understand the layout. But of course it is because you will be explaining the layout. Yeah, and that is why we have engineers who are selling. So maybe we need to look at a different way of doing engineering itself. Maybe we need to really be integrated in our approach of doing engineering jobs if we're talking about engineering purely. Okay. Uh, it cannot be restricted to, and, and yes, while collaboration is a key skill, also the understandability of other skills is important. We, you may not be a master, but you need to understand and you need to connect in terms of technical, uh, you know, uh, know-how um, if the job is related to your job. Rajiv Aditya. So the experts are saying that automation will have a far smaller effect on jobs that involve managing people, applying expertise and have some kind of social interactions in them because machines are unable to match human performance in these activities till now. Frey and Osborne did a study at Oxford in 2016. They found that sales jobs, service industry jobs, office administration jobs are more likely to be replaced. On the other hand, jobs in education, legal, healthcare, arts and media, uh, these are less prone to getting replaced by automation or AI. Jobs in unpredictable environments, uh, let's say occupations such as gardeners, plumbers, providers of child care, elder care, these also will see less automation because they are technically difficult to automate and often pay out lower wages. Plus, because they are dispersed and they happen mm, far away from a centralized location, it makes automation difficult and less attractive a business proposition. By the way, talent mobility is also part of the future. This has been voiced by multiple guests on the show. Here is Ritu Ranade. What's happening in the today's time is uh, the boundaries are thinning. The talent pool is accessible across the globe. I see scenarios where um, if there is a talent pool available in a particular country, it's much simpler to fly that talent than to source locally. That's the change. That's a very big change. And that means you're not only competing with your talent internally in, in, in a particular country or in a particular environment, but you have to become a global worker. Yep. Uh, that development is super important. That thought process is super important. That are you a true global worker? Have you built your talents and your skills? Uh, or are you uh, exposed well enough that your skills can be used uh, across the globe? Uh, that's a very big differentiator today. I see this on a daily basis where uh, the 
the boundaries between countries are thinning the process of flying people across to deliver to the customer the best of the services is at most important and hence being a global worker is my third most important view that i would recommend that every leader every team manager has to have on rajiv aditya so the impact of ai will not be the same across the world because mainly because the investment in ai is very different for different countries but there is also the question of the population as a whole so countries with larger populations have a bigger problem to start with let's take the case of usa 66% of all investment in ai companies in 2016 happened in the us china was second but still far behind at 17% but the potential loss of employment due to automation is far greater in china than in the us in terms of absolute numbers and that's simply because of its larger population the propensity to automate is a key factor and this depends to a large extent on per capita gdp so is it lucrative for the organization to automate when wages are high obviously yes otherwise using cheap labor is a better option than investing in technology india is at another extreme this is due to the low wage rates the return on investment on automation that brings in only 0.8 to 1.4% productivity growth does not make business sense in india from impact of automation in india to industry 4.0 amidst visible slowdown in the industry what other markers are we missing or should we look at here is shubhab brother saha let let me just take a small example of let's say industry 4.0 as a sector it has embraced pretty early the context of industry 4.0 while organizations may have had varies very levels of uh, change and speed in terms of accepting this but the industry has embraced this and that we are seeing in terms of the culture and evolution of the shop floor as well take for example the old digitalization of the supply chain from customer to a disaggregated level at a part at a supplier end this whole chain is so clear and visible and as employees embrace that and see how things shift instead of their usual old ways of working to something that is being run by programs and algorithms it is having a direct bearing in the manner in which they run the business both at the front end as well as at the back end how does it kind of impact the core working capital and impact the cash flows of the company these are areas that teams are able to kind of visualize and see how technology can have a direct bearing and impact on the way they run the business take another example we got sensors in machines today earlier it used to be let's say things like time based monitoring right to condition based monitoring and then having an impact on the repair and maintenance cost of large manufacturing outfits so there are multiple sets of examples that we are seeing evolution in and tomorrow's technologies uh, coming into india at lower costs whether it is ar vr whether it is for doing training and doing work on the shop floor and so on and so but there are multiple facets of some of these that are still at an early date i i kind of foresee that shift happening in a fairly big way Let's take a short break. You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. 
podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity which is untapped we can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides it is easy it is powerful and personal talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before write to us at bpn at bizcast.in that is bpn at b-i-z-c-a-s-t dot i-n business podcast network podcasts end to end welcome back rajiv aditya some sectors are leading in ai adoption high-tech telecoms financial services these are early adopters a section of automakers also use ai to improve operations uh, they are, some of them are also developing self driving vehicles but most other sectors lag far behind if you look at a time frame of 10 to 11 years from now up to 30% of the hours that are worked globally today could be automated if you look at occupations and activities separately about half the activities that people are paid to do globally today could theoretically be automated by 2030 but very few occupations that is less than 5% consist of activities that could be fully automated replacing human labor while we are talking about a lot of automation there are other factors that are impacting this shift behavior change for example change of attitude towards lifelong employability some shift away from consumerism to convenience uber and coworking are two such trends that are early indications viable business model or not a shift to purpose over profit suman ghosh and bhavani singh shekhawat sees these threads what's going on suman yes and in the startups this is already happening um in the sense a lot of people i'm noticing especially students um even though they know that startups may not be so remunerative but the, today mm-hmm. a whole bunch of students do not want to enter the traditional large companies they want to work in startups mm-hmm. and there is a reason for that because one is startups has a higher sense of purpose and they want to utilize the skill that they have built certain skills right it's also becoming more about skills right so for a student Uh, degrees will matter more and uh, less and less and that's what the research is showing globally it will really become skill based um oh. so yes to your question people are joining startups because of that and once people join startups uh, it is also a matter of how much value they are adding because people are highly visible they are not you know hidden under layers of management it's a very lean organization typical startup and then everybody has to bring their value and if they don't then they're out and they and they have to find something else or they have to renew themselves now bhavani of course i think more and more uh, employees are looking at a portfolio uh, of work in their lives and increasingly they're also looking for that portfolio on a daily basis so it's not over a period of time that for the first 20 years of my life i'll do this for the next 20 years of my life i'll do this and for the next x number of years no it's not how they they chunk their portfolio people are looking for increasingly diverse and fulfilling experiences on a daily basis people are finding more than one way of fulfilling their lives so they might want to make money in three different ways in a day 
they might want to work at a workplace then they might want to blog for money and they might want to be a part of a band at a pub singing a few songs but they don't want to do it just for the joy of singing uh they also want to make money doing that so people are having portfolio careers they're trying to do more than one thing because they want different kinds of pleasures and outcomes in their lives which in totality make them feel a lot better about their lives than leaving a, a uni, leading a unidimensional life and in so doing they also want to believe that they are doing something meaningful rajiv aditya freelancers are better prepared for the future in the last 6 months if you look at what freelancers have been doing 55% of them have participated in some skill related education and this is against only 30% of non freelancers upwork and freelancers union did a study in 2017 called freelancing in america 2017 they found that 57.3 million americans were already freelancing that is 36% of the total us workforce that's huge and they predicted that the majority of the us workforce would soon freelance and at the current growth rate it will reach this milestone by 2027 but freelancers have other problems so they don't have a steady income to counter that on an average they have 4.5 clients per head to bring in some amount of stability this is like insurance to them the other biggest insurance of course is knowledge they realize that that's what's going to keep them relevant and in demand in the future so the ability to reskill will become actually has become a core capability in remaining relevant for a long span of time abhijit bhadori was responsible for 100000 employees at wipro abhijit talks about the half life of skills and reinventing yourself so i think one of the major pieces that uh, is happening in the digital world is that you know you're looking at uh, uh, this whole notion of skill building has been something which we are moving away from pretty much a three level structure you know you learn then you earn and you retire so pretty much if you divide your work uh, your life into three uh, segments your first segment is your sort of really first 20 odd years you're you're learning stuff you go to college or education or whatever and then you start earning you earn for the next 20 30 years and then after that you know you are looking to retire and sort of you know eventually fade out what's interesting is that what you learned earlier and what you got credentialed in is good enough to last you at least it used to be good enough to last you um you know for a very long time now actually what has happened uh, has been that uh, you can no longer actually continue with the same credentials and you go through this is you know earlier it used to be that the half life of your skills used to be 5 years which is that every 5 years you needed to upgrade yourself now it has become 2 or 3 years you know depending on which skill we are talking about and we are getting into a place where uh, you know the nature of the skills is going to be different i mean of course you will need your usual domain skills you will need um uh, you know to, to be continuously reinventing yourself there because work is getting reinvented because of artificial intelligence and all those capabilities but i think what is also happening is twofold one is people are living longer so they will need to sustain themselves financially for a much longer span of time which means you need to be relevant for a very 
long span of time. So, you know, the notion of skill is not just really around, um, you know, finding some kind of work to do, but skill is also, you know, something that's going to give us identity and it's something that uh, we are looking to, uh, you know, keep us going for a, a much longer span of time. Rajiv Aditya. So jobs of the future will require skills and activities that machines are less capable of. These include things like managing people, applying expertise, communicating with others. Eric Brynolfsson is a director of MIT's Initiative on the Digital Economy. He conducts research on the effects of information technology on the economy. He has written four books on the subject. He said that the more successful people today are not necessarily the ones with only math or technical skills. They are people with a combination of those and soft skills. Machines are great at doing structured tasks, which includes maths and algorithms. But machines are not good at two categories where humans excel. The first is creativity and large-scale problem identification. This means being able to ask the right questions and figuring out creative out-of-the-box solutions. The second category is interpersonal skills, which means leadership, motivating, selling, persuading, caring for people, nurturing people. These are things that we can't rely on machines to do. If you can combine technical skills with both creativity and interpersonal skills, that's the winning combination that we are looking for. It will be about agility, believes Kalyan. At uh, Mindtree, we did a leadership capacity building program for the top 200 leaders. And uh, that was around 2010. And uh, at that time, uh, we learned that what's important for the future is learning agility. And uh, that made uh, uh, that made a lot of sense to us. Because over the last 20 years or the previous 20 years in my career, uh, I heard everybody talking of potential and we value people with potential. But I never knew and nobody answered this question, how do you measure potential? I found that everybody measures uh, potential by past performance. Uh, and uh, in that sense, you know, it is potential is almost equal to performance. But somehow I was not convinced with that answer. Now, when this concept of learning agility came in, now the proponents of learning agility said that potential means learning agility. So, and then somehow that made sense to me. Shalini Pillai. So, sitting there are five levers, the first of which is mental agility. How good are you at your solutioning mindset? Can you think out of the box? Can you come up with ideas that are innovative, that are out of the ordinary? Can you kind of uh, really think differently? The second metric is what you call results agility, which says that in a context where you're faced with constraints or irrespective of the scenario, how resourceful are you to drive the end result? The third one is, is what we call people agility, which is your ability to work with people around you. And that does not necessarily mean teams that report into you. It is working with people who may be above you in the hierarchy. It could be working with peers, working with a wider ecosystem, 
how influential are you in terms of the way you work with people the fourth one is is on change agility which is the ability to measure how an individual performs when faced with change that they that that has been unprecedented and the fourth aspect to how you know that comes under this overall model that we've used is the self awareness quotient so how self aware are you uh, of your strengths and your deficiencies rajiv aditya iyad rawan uh, he's from mit media labs he did a research on the future of the workforce and how automation may affect it his team worked on skill sets they came up with some very interesting results they segregated jobs based on the kind of skills required so they grouped together jobs based on similar skill sets for example an accountant and an insurance agent both need to know some maths and how to use computers on the other end of the spectrum a crane operator and a truck driver needed to have an entirely different set of skills more on the physical side so they found that instead of these skills lying on a continuous spectrum they tended to clump together into two distinct categories of cognitive skills and physical skills cognitive jobs require social skills speech skills persuasion skills and physical jobs need psychomotor skills sensory skills now there was a strong correlation between the job types and education and wage earnings the cognitive jobs earn much more wages on average and these workers have higher education levels people within a cluster set of skills can move into another job or learn new skills in the same cluster set without much difficulty crossing the gap and getting a job in the other cluster is very difficult so a farmer cannot learn new skills today to become an insurance agent the study also found that the low paying physical type of jobs have a greater potential of getting automated these are intrinsically linked concepts agility and reskilling continuous learning yet worldwide the focus of organizations in reskilling is awfully myopic sanjay jha talks about the challenges reskilling upskilling and and that to uh, in in expeditious manner will become very very and and it will not be so easy a from you know the way we are currently uh, training people that will undergo severe change because there will be always pressure on on people to learn quickly but same time uh, people would be expected to learn while doing the things uh, there will not be luxury to send people to classroom so you know the way we are training our people that will undergo undergo change and technology becoming technology savvy will become the order of the day so this will happen at people at large level and and because of that because of this speed because of you know the requirement for uh, reskilling and upskilling one will be required to be open to new changes flexible agile and adaptable and that is why it will be very very important for leaders to move from the supervisory role to the role of coach the role of uh, mentor to role role of somebody who could 
concept who could uh, facilitate who could help the employees to explore uh, explore the self journey rajiv aditya the easy and standard advice across the board has been if you want to future proof your job embrace machine learning you are likely to stay ahead of your colleague who chose to take a ringside seat this is what eric brinolfson said by the way he says managers who know how to use machine learning will replace managers who don't jason furman who has been president obama's chief economist and he's been a member of the cabinet said that the most important thing to do is to equip people to succeed in a world with globalization ai and changing technology the united states spends about 0.2% of its gdp on labor market programs including training it's been noted that that's the lowest of any of the advanced economies in the oecd that is something ferman says that the us should really invest in much much more there was a recent conclave in las vegas the dell technologies world 2019 will i am who's an american rapper and also an investor in ai said something very interesting he said there is too much investment in artificial intelligence and too little in human intelligence he said that the education system must be totally revamped to pull people up to a level of skill that really works in the current environment of these technologies being developed rethinking of education will see another major shift the move from stem to steam arts humanities and design will be central to new skill sets that would be required what does prajal saha see as the editor of the largest hr digital portal in india you know i was talking to uh, you know very you know one of the hr leaders of a the top most it companies in india he said prajal nothing is going to change overnight we will still be hiring coders preferentially from the engineering or stem background but the way we code or the coding language might change so that is a small change that might happen you know but ultimately you will need coders now the biggest you know the another change that could happen is now you know it companies are trying to hire people from arts background because probably you know they have got a different thinking process and they come with a profit prefer you know probably different analogy which probably the science guys don't so that's the reason you will see now it companies are also hiring people from arts background because you need differently you know the, that is why you need diversity in the team so now here if you see you know your industry is changing you have tried to uh, you know find out talent in or skill sets in the existing uh, pool that you have but are you really trying to say that you know it is like oh i need if you ask me that you know i need this kind of talent in 5 years so you know i should go and tie up with an academia and i should you know churn out these many numbers of people who just specialize in this it is not happening if 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 you that you call is the preparedness for the future staying with upskilling and reskilling they need to be data driven 
not a lot of data is available which can in turn offer clarity how is the industry responding let's listen to arun muttukumar and amit bhargava you you know the gaps is a very relative word right see what i know and what i don't know today is is different from what i know or don't know a week from today so, and, and so so th- that is why the need for continuous assessment of those gaps and continuous reinforcement is very very important and that so that is where our model of um, everyday learning and assessment and uh, adapting the uh, system to uh, tweak the what what should i say as a, what is your learning queue right the set of things that you shubhanjan as an individual needs to learn the system is uh, smart enough to keep figuring it out and giving you that personalized cue on a daily basis so i'll just for example a week from today the then the things you need to learn maybe a set of things that you've forgotten uh, it might also include a, a new set of things let's say the company has launched a new promotion or a new product you need to be aware of that so it could be a combination of old things it could be uh, plus the new things that have been launched uh plus some say new competitor information or uh new regulatory compliance related thing or a new process uh, or a new issue in the field that you need to be aware of so so many things uh it, it i think it you know it's a knowledge economy today the knowledge worker of today needs to know so many things on a daily weekly basis that the only way that can be done effectively is through this kind of uh, very focused uh, technology di- driven uh, data driven approach amit bhargava we find that lot of changes are going to come in the bulk hiring part also there is going to be a lot of aggregation there because not many companies are uh, very comfortable with the bulk hiring so there has to be a linkage through platforms which are going to be available like nsdc national skill development corporation they have a platform where you have these blue collar people who have got trained by various training partners the database is available to be used you have a portal like nokri.com for specially this blue collar hiring hiring but none of my known had a clue about it because there is no awareness so we are trying to implement such softwares wherein these bigger giants they can ease out their burden of hiring on the blue collar similarly for white collar or the freshers there are various platforms which are there which are not used and they are not being utilized properly by the industry rajiv aditya there will be opportunities in sectors that do not require automation or cannot be automated but higher education will always be a good insurance skilled and semi skilled jobs will require some skill beyond high school education that seems to be the trend but let's talk about some of the places where there may be new jobs which can't be automated if you look at again a time frame of the next 10 to 11 years by 2030 there will be at least 300 million more people aged 65 years or older than there were in 2014 so their spending patterns shift with an increase in healthcare personal services so there will be new demand for quite a few occupations such as doctors nurses health technicians personal care aides caregivers nursing assistants the estimate globally is that healthcare and related jobs due to aging could grow by 50 million to 85 million by 2030 and also in the unorganized sector 
which employs, let's say, plumbers, gardeners, other service people like that, there will be a reverse trend. That is, automation will not take away these jobs because it will not be lucrative or physically possible to automate dispersed activities. But on the other hand, these activities will become more marketable through aggregation apps. So services like Housejoy or Urban Clap, which are already operating in India, will actually help to increase such jobs as well as raise the income for people employed in these occupations. There are going to be many jobs that we don't know about now. These are new jobs that will be created. For instance, there is a new category of jobs called robot pilots. These are in the human-machine collaboration area. Some people are now piloting drones. They deliver food, groceries, provisions that are ordered online. So newer platforms are trying to disrupt the business with faster delivery and they're employing these people to drive drones which will deliver the goods. There are others who are driving remote controlled cars. There are some other areas of human machine collaboration that are interesting and creating jobs indirectly. Uh, Microsoft's HoloLens. There is an auto assembling company in US which is uh, which fits trucks. They have started using HoloLens for training. All the worker has to do is wear the HoloLens and markers, arrows, 3D instructions appear layered right on top of the real auto part they are working on. This kind of training requires someone to create it. This new virtual training and many other fields like this, VR, AI, these are going to create some new jobs which are which are not directly about coding in AI or robotic process automation, but spin-off jobs created due to these technologies. TalentWise is brought to you by KnowledgeBridge. We produce customized and multilingual visual training content. We have worked on complex processes, products and skills development for large blue chip brands such as Tata Motors, Mahindra First Choice, Homelane, Epson, Toyota, Citibank and Consul Neowatt, serving diverse industries. Talk to us for your next custom content requirement and be pleasantly surprised. Call us on 9902163132. Well, that brings us to the close of this super special episode and a great season of discussion on the future of work and future proofing your team. We will be back next quarter with a brand new season and awesome lineup of guests. Look out for our promos that will continue to bring you through this period. Have suggestions, questions? Want to see someone on the show? Just connect with me on LinkedIn or tweet to hello underscore Shubhanjan. Here's wishing you a wonderful year ahead from all of us here at TalentWise. Thank you for being with us today on TalentWise. We hope we helped you focus on some actionable ideas today. It was certainly enlightening for us. We hope to see you again on our next episode. If you liked what you heard, Subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts from and give us a rating while you're at it. Thank you in advance.